the field notes. Episode 199. The one where Jesus calls a woman a dog and sticks his fingers in a guy's ears. The Field Notes Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theophanicians out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The Theophanicians! Dude, we had, a, we had some Night of the Night of the Rocks fairies going on there for a minute. Yeah, I know. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> and Dude. you know, or, ordinarily, podcast listeners wouldn't be able to see that. That's true. But that's true. We dun, we've dun, advanced. Uh, <laughs> we're working on. We have plans within plans. That's right. That's right. So we're. We're u- using a little new technology right now. It's not without its <laughs> its growing pains. Oh my we goodness! Ha- we tried this Thursday. That's and right. It, just, it kept having problems. It blew it up in our faces, man. We uh, we tried to restart it like five times. We spent probably a good three hours trying to record mm. an hour of content. So yeah. Uh. So. But anyway, so we're just going to tease you right now because we want to make sure everything works out right. But if this works out right, so we, we're we we're not only recording the audio, we're recording uh, the video conference that we're doing as part of the podcast. And what we'll do is we'll make a little something, something special for you patrons on Patreon out there. And give you the ability to um, watch the videos and see our ugly mugs. Hopefully, hopefully we can even invite you to actually join us as a live audience. Oh, that'd be mm. cool. Stay maybe, tuned. Maybe give some input. That'd be way neat. No, no, we ain't letting them talk. What are you talking oh. about? Oh, you don't want them to talk. You just, you just want oh, to dude. watch us as yeah. we pontificate. <laughs> In our high and lofty towers. Yes, yes. So stay tuned for more on on that. We'll hopefully that'll that'll be a thing. Right. So we're we're coming up on our two hundredth episode. So one away, uh, right? Yeah, we're just in time for that. So this is one ninety nine. We got a some we got a special uh, planned for the two hundredth episode. Um, keep that under wraps right now but we're gonna we got some of the cool things planned right and we'll see how that goes i know that we we've been kind of hit and miss over the past few you know 10 episodes or so it's taken us forever to get to 200 some would say like three and a half years <laughs> satan is not satan doesn't want us to get to the 200th episode. that's right that's right slap satan in his big ugly face Dead gummy. <laughs> so, what you been up to, David? <laughs> oh man, let's see. Rooting for the Longhorns. 
Oh, see, he's got to go there. He's got to immediately go there. Immediately. (laughs) Man, man, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. You know, um, (laughs) I'll be completely... You know, cool about it. It's, yes. it's not a big deal. Sure. I mean, just don't, I, I don't throw them like, horns up and we'll be fine. How about that? I won't throw the horns up. I won't even mention the fact that it's the worst <sighs> shutout loss in OU history. history. Yeah. Mm. And it had to Moving happen <laughs> with, with the daggum longhorns. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know how many texts and how many Facebook posts I had to endure? Oh, this I'm sure. Past Saturday, you, you, you had it. You had it coming. You, oh, you, I, you, know. You, you, I know. I know. <laughs> I do. I dish it out so bad. I have to be able to take it. But this one was the worst loss I've ever seen in my entire life. You know what I did actually? So I shut it off, and you know what I did? I started watching the Lord of the Rings over again. <laughs> That's what I've been doing actually for the past couple days, like in my free time, is rereading the book and watching the movies. And I'm so like getting into it. I have a million questions for Michael because the last time Oh yeah. Yeah. The last time that I I read these books, I was a child. And then the last time really? I watched the movies was when they came out in theaters. So it's mm. been a good Oh, you haven't seen the the extended editions? No, I'm watching them right now. Actually, oh, that's great. Th- those are those are really good. It's a lot of viewing, but yeah, yeah, I'm really good. I finished the fellowship, and I'm I'm on to uh, the two towers right now. So mm, we'll see how cool. I'm about halfway through the two towers, but it's good. I'm loving it. I can't wait that's for the awesome. return of the king. I just bought on my Kindle. Um, Bilbo's Last Song by oh, J.R.R. Really? It's like a 50-page book, but it's uh it is Bilbo singing his anticipation for the unending or the undying land on yeah. his way to the Great Havens, right? And at the same time mourning the loss of his friends and and there's some memories flashing back all the way to his first journey in The Hobbit. Wow. And it's all in this big song. So I thought wow. that was really cool. I'm so going to have to I, check I had that not out. Heard it. I had not heard of that before. So anyway, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I've been going on a deep dive lately, so it's been really fun. But I don't know how long that'll last. Anything that, awesome. anything to get my mind off of uh, college football right now. <laughs> <laughs> But right. we just got back from a little bit of a vacation. Oh, so that's right. You did. That was T- nice. Tell me um, about that. What happened? Oh, there wasn't much to it, actually. We just went to um, to northern Arkansas, to the Eureka Springs area, and uh, stayed in a cabin on Beaver Lake, Ooh. Uh, right on a cliff. It was really cool. Nice. So, Yeah, I know, asked. kind of got some R&R. Yeah, I asked you last time if you uh, took any of those old timey photos that they normally do. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't that, do that. That's what I always remember from going to Eureka Springs is taking an old timey portrait. So, <laughs> oh wow! Hopefully next so, time. 
All right, are we ready to finally dive into this thing and see if we can do it again? This is like the third time we've tried it. So let's do it and pray that it works. So y'all hold on to your adenoids. Here we go. All the way, all the way through. That's right. So, um, last time I, uh, I was studying in Mark, we were talking about Jairus's daughter and we were talking about the woman with the issue of blood and, and how those two healings were combined, how they worked together really well and how there was like an underlying meaning happening in it. And we, we tied all that also to the fact that Mark, chose to preserve the original Aramaic phrase that Jesus physically said, Talitha Kumi. Well, right. today we're going to hit the next original or um, the preserved Aramaic word that Jesus says, um, because again, there's some cool, powerful things happening in the combination of the text here. Awesome. So we're we're going to be looking at uh, the end of Mark chapter 7, the first part of Mark chapter 8, and uh, and going to be talking about uh, Jesus' ministry here and what might be going on in some of these passages that have been debated. Some of them have been completely forgotten, like people don't even talk about them. Um, but there's some cool things happening in here, so hopefully uh, you guys will um, will enjoy it. Um so to kind of catch us up on on the story um, previously in the in the book of Mark, you know, <laughs> tune in flashback. This is like those cliffhanger uh, serial reels. Um, so previously <laughs> in the book of Mark, what was happening was um, so Jesus had fed the five thousand, and right. this was on the on if you're looking at a, a map of Israel specifically a map of the Galilee area. So the Sea of Galilee. He was on the uh, north, was that northwest? Yes. Northwestern area of Galilee, which is uh, obviously a highly populated Jewish area. And the whole feeding of the 5,000 happened in that that area. And his, his little speech to them about, I am the bread, um, and, and, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that whole, that whole thing. Well, anyway, he's getting really popular. He's, he's, Mark is focusing on all the healings and stuff too, that's happening. Um, and everywhere he goes, he's pushed by a crowd. This is a, uh, one of the things that Mark just keeps emphasizing is that he's constantly pushed by, by the crowd. He's constantly trying to get away. At one point he goes up into the mountain, um, uh, we have the whole walking on the water scene that happens right. uh, where he sends the disciples ahead. He's like, y'all go on, I'll catch up with you, <laughs> and walks out on the water. And one of the things that Mark tells us that none of the other um, renderings of this bring up is that it says he he would have walked past them. Like, right. His, like his goal was not to stop at their boat. His, yep, goal his intention was to, was to get to the other side. <laughs> he was wanting a little 
God time out there on the water. Like he's just <laughs> strolling. Right? I want a little R and R. Just gonna right. take my time, take a stroll across the water. He stopped because they were afraid. They saw him and he loves them and wanted to let <laughs> let them know everything was fine. So uh, we have all this happening. So we have right. this 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 picture of Jesus being overwhelmed by the crowds, overwhelmed by the people, and constantly trying to get away. And then we come to Mark chapter 7, verse 24. And so let's just go ahead and start right there. Just read that one verse. Okay, it says this. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. And he, when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. Okay, so first off, if you look at that map, the, the question becomes, you know, Mark presents this like, and he went across the street. Like, <laughs> like he, he presents it like it's um, not, a, not a big deal, right? So um, Distance at all. Yeah, and, and acting like, well, you know, then he went to Tyre and Sidon. Well, we, you pull up the map and look. Well, this isn't just like right across the street. <laughs> this right. is not even in Jewish territory anymore. It's not even in Israel. Like, he takes off and goes northwest all the way to the shores of the Mediterranean Sea. Mm-hmm. So this is a journey. Like, he goes yeah, way it's a big deal. up out of the way right and mark again uh, you gotta love him man he he doesn't tell us why (laughs) we get no indication of what jesus's plans were maybe his disciples didn't even know he's just like hey we're gonna go to tire well they're (laughs) like well oh okay (laughs) and so I don't know. It, it, I it think that happened so much actually in his <laughs> in his travels. The disciples were just like, I, I guess we're I guess we're in Caesarea, our Caesarea Philippi now. Like you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, which is another funny one. But but yeah. so yeah, so they just take off and they go to to Tyre, which is okay to look at your map and you see where this is. This is not in Israel anymore. This is in an area of that was. Um, um, it was Gentile area, right? Primarily, and, and it was uh, in modern days. This is Lebanon. Right. So if you're looking at the map, he leaves Israel, goes to Lebanon, and that's not a Jewish friendly area. No, they just they didn't have any love for each other then. They don't have any love for each other now. They're tossing bombs across the border right in that area. So, right. so yeah, this is a. Uh, Strange thing that he does. He, absolutely. So one of the questions is why? Why? Um, and we can only <laughs> speculate. But I do think that the text gives us a little bit of indication why. Because it does say right there, he entered this house and didn't want anyone to know. Right. So he's trying so, to hide. <laughs> so your speculation is he's going on a vacation in Lebanon. Yeah, let's go hit the beach. <laughs> okay let's get out let's get away where people where the crowds aren't let's 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 get away a little bit and right. give me a chance to rest he goes into a house doesn't want to be known doesn't he's not looking for 
actually doing ministry right now. He's trying right. to do a little a little rest. But as the verse indicates, he could not be hidden. <laughs> word had gotten out. Dun dun dun. Okay. <laughs> Let's pick up verse twenty five and twenty six. Okay. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had been unclean had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. So we're, she, he's confronted with this local. Um, she, she, it's an interesting, interesting thing um, because last time we talked about uh, Jairus meeting Jesus at the shore immediately, a guy who by all accounts should have hated Jesus because he was the leader of the synagogue, one, one of the leaders in the synagogue. These religious uh, Jews, the, the very highly religious Jews, the, the Pharisees and, the, and such, they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They were trying to discredit him. Yet right. Jairus falls down and worships him. Why? Because he had a daughter who was about to die. Yeah. And he recognized that Jesus was a healer. Yeah. So same thing ha happened here. We've got this strange woman that shows up. By all accounts, she should not care about this man. Right. She 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 should not have she should not want anything to do with him. Yet here she comes and falls at his feet as in worshiping uh him, right? And I want to look at just uh something about their culture that we should be recognizing here too. So Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. Mm -hmm. So in their culture in this time uh, there's many reasons why Jesus wouldn't be talking to this woman. Oh, yeah. Uh, first off, she is a woman. A woman, which, you know, they didn't, they weren't really permitted to, to speak to Jewish rabbis. Well, any, any Jewish male outside the home um, mm -hmm. in the public square at all. So this, that's a big deal that she's, she's even going up to him in the first place. But secondly, she's a Gentile woman. <laughs> yes. Yes, that makes it even worse. Like, um, she is, you know, the Jews wouldn't have anything to do, especially religious Jews, the, the actual practicing, uh, the rabbis and such, they wouldn't have anything to do with a Gentile. They wouldn't be speaking with them. They wouldn't go into their homes. They wouldn't eat with them for sure because they were considered unclean. Dirty, just yeah. being with them made them unsanctified. It right. made them unclean, and therefore they couldn't perform their temple duties. They couldn't. They couldn't perform their religious rites because of be, that contact with Gentiles. So they wouldn't right. have anything to do with her. Plus, she's unescorted. This is also a big thing. It might be permissible to have an interaction with a woman in their culture if she's escorted by a man that you could be speaking with, and maybe you know because of the guy have something to say to the to the woman but in this case she's unescorted she's a female she's a gentile and mark goes a step further a syrophoenician gives her actual race and there's lots of gentiles everybody who's not a jew is a gentile right, right? why does mark choose to give us this well mm. because of the same thing we mentioned before 
these particular Gentiles, these particular people, very much like the um, um, the Samaritans, Samaritans mm-hmm. were were they were at odds with yes. the, the Jews. They were an enemy of the Jews, and in fact, this area was home of one of the foulest uh, uh, villains of right. the Old Testament. Our dearly beloved Queen Jezebel. Jezzy, man. <laughs> and she, yeah, the she's infamous, absolutely evil. <laughs> the infamous Queen Jezebel was from this area. And right. guess what she did to Israel besides just being a jerk? She brought with her the pagan god right. of Baal. that area, yep. Baal, with her. And we all know through the reading the Old Testament how that ended up and and how horrible uh, this was on everybody. So right. the, the, the Jews didn't like them because of this. There was yeah. just animosity there. Any any faithful uh, Jewish person at this time would, would look at any, any Syrophoenician and consider them disgusting because of they, they've read their Pentateuch. They know, or not Pentateuch, they've, they've read their Tanakh. They know uh, the story of Jezebel and how she corrupted a whole generation of Israelites mm-hmm. and uh, and was out for blood uh, for, um, um, who was it? For, uh, oh my goodness. Jezebel? No, 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 the, the prophet. The, not oh, Elijah. His, Elijah, yeah, out for blood for Elijah. She wanted to kill Elijah. It's a big deal, you know. Elijah and the prophets of Baal—that's that whole section. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a it's a big deal. Jezebel was not liked, and so the Syrophoenicians were not liked. Absolutely, yes. So, uh, it, so he gives us this little detail just to let us know just how despicable this woman should have been. <laughs> and if we read the, the the account in the book of Matthew, we even get the disciples telling Jesus, tell her to go away. Right. Like, like, <laughs> don't have anything to do with this woman. No, 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 no. She won't leave us alone. I kick her out. And, uh, and, and anyway, she shows up and she, she bows to Jesus. She uh, begs him to cast right. this demon uh, out of her daughter. Now, mm. Jesus does uh, at least speak with her. Um, and uh, there is a precedence for this, by the way, in the same area. We can go to First uh, Kings 17, and we can read there about Elijah in this area mm-hmm. with a woman who gives him shelter. And he does a miracle with food and such uh, because she was in need. And she has a son who dies, and Elijah ends Elijah. up... That's right. Bringing the boy back to life. Now, this all happens here. Now, interesting little tie to me is you got a woman from this area, a Gentile, a Syrophoenician, um, who has a child who dies, and the prophet of Israel brings him back to life. (laughs) Right. So... So there's 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 stuff here. It's it's an echo. There's definitely a correlation. Yep. There's a correlation with it, which is pretty incredible when you think about that. Yeah, and we'll, we'll come back to that in just a second. But uh, let's sure. go ahead and read what his response uh, to her is. <clears throat> Verse 27, it says, And he was saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread 
and throw it to the dogs. Woo! Okay. She, he just um, called her a dog, just like I yeah. said in my opening thing. <laughs> and man, this was this is the this is the contended verse. I mean, oh yeah, it is. Oh, like, yeah we, it we is. get people get spun up in the trees about this. Um, you'll see right there, Jesus is a racist. He's a misogynist. <laughs> like, okay, he's so look. Oh man! If 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 you are if you think that either of those things, either Jesus is racist <laughs> or misogynist, read the rest of the stories. Like, right. like Jesus it breaks culture left and right when it comes to this type of thing. Absolutely, um, and th- so that therefore there has to be another purpose for him stating this thing because every other account we have. Um, of Jesus when he when he's talking, other than the when he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he gets pretty hardcore against them. Calls them brutal vipers and snakes and whitewashed mm-hmm. tombs. But any woman or any man in need, he shows compassion and love for, like every yes. single one. So yeah. we there has to be. And this is where I have I've had a lot of conversations with. Uh, youth or uh, with young adults who have asked me why, you know, why does Jesus call this woman a dog? Like, wh- what's the, this is so out of character for Jesus. What in the world is he doing here? You know? Well, let's. So tell us, David. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's break the, what he says down and, okay. and look at what he says and examine the culture and what all was going on. So a, he's not lying. <laughs> what he true. says, what he says is true. He was the Jewish Messiah. He was sent to the Jews as their Messiah. Right. And and so what he's doing here is he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. The children mm-hmm. in his statement, let the children be fed first. He's referring to the Jews, right? His reference to uh, it not being right to throw it to dogs is a reference to things are falling off my shelf. Yeah, I just saw that. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's a re- it's a- <laughs> Satan's like stop the study. No, get thee behind me. There you go. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, uh, the Jews of the time would refer to Gentiles as dogs. Right. And that was a disparaging thing that was a uh, it, it was meant to be um, a denouncement of them because the reason why is because dogs are also unclean and they're unclean right. animals. So yeah. therefore they would make the, the pigs too. Sometimes they would refer to them as pigs, swine. Which would have um, been even worse if he would have gone, yeah. don't so, let the pigs yeah. eat. Yeah, I'm not going to throw it to the slop in the pig yeah, pen. I'm not going to throw it to the pig so, <laughs> Pig sty. Oh, man. So, uh, so dogs is a, is a euphemism for Gentiles. Gentile, so yep. If we're, if we're talking in the 50,000-foot the, 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 the view of what Jesus says, he's basically saying, I was sent to the Jews, and it's not right for me to give the things that I'm meant to give them to Gentiles. Because right. of it. he says, but, and there, there is a little bit of hope in this statement. 
Yeah. For one, for one, this statement is presented in not a disparaging way. Uh, it is actually for what Jesus said is actually a very padded version of what he could have said. Right. <laughs> and what most Jew- Jewish leaders would have said. Uh, first off, he gives a little bit of hope in the statement because he says, let the children be fed first. First, yep. Which by implication means I will feed the Gentiles, mm. but but I, I've been called to feed the children of Israel First, okay, so that's first. the yeah. that's the, the the first indication that this isn't as harsh as it might read. Uh, secondly, the word for dog that that the Jews would primarily use is the word uh, kuan, and in Greek, um, and in this in the original Greek, Jesus doesn't use that word. He uses the word kanarion, which does mean dog, but it means they would use that term in, in reference to little dogs or puppies. Cute little poopies. <laughs> so, yes. So, in a way, Jesus is softening this message. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's making a metaphor, but at the same time, he's, keep, he's, he's in line with how the Jews would reference Gentiles. But instead of calling her an out-and-out dirty dog, he calls her... <laughs> A puppy. A puppy. So he yep. says it's not it's not right to to give the children's food to puppies, um, and so there's there's a there is a little bit of of chill in this. Now it wouldn't what he said wouldn't have surprised anybody. Nobody right. would have heard this and went how rude Jesus because of the culture. In fact, they wouldn't have even expected him to acknowledge her. But he right. does. Right. And what he does say. Could have been made a way, way harsher, but what it is is it's a softened version of how the Jews would respond. Now, one of the things I think he's doing is we're not given this in Mark, uh, but the disciples were emphatic that he tell her to leave, and I think he was talking kind of out of the side of his mouth here. I think he's basically saying, "Let's see how these guys respond when I tell her, hey." I shouldn't be giving you food. You're just a dog, right? Yeah, and, I see and, that and, for sure. I I agree with you. I think it's a teaching moment um, for the disciples as well, like a big one, um, because w- one of the things he's trying to instill in his disciples is compassion, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I can see how this is a huge, huge teaching moment for for the disciples watching, especially when it comes on the heels of their statement in Matthew, right? Where yeah. they, they tell him to send her away. So yeah, that's pretty, I think it's pretty powerful. And so um, I also think that he knows how she's going to respond. Yeah. And, of course. and so he's playing on that. He's planning mm-hmm. on it. He's want, he's wanting to hear her voice here. So let's hear her response. Uh, Let's look at verse 28 through 30. But she answered him and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go. The demon is gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left. 
Oh, okay. So again, Mark's very brief here in in the response. We get a little more in Matthew, um, but first off, her response. Yes, Lord. First off, she calls him Lord, Lord. which is amazing for a Gentile speaking to a Jewish rabbi. Mm -hmm. She says, yes, Lord. Yet even the puppies, Mm -hmm. (laughs) she sticks with his metaphor. She, She uses the exact same word he uses. Yet even the puppies under the table eat the children's crumbs. Now, I don't know how many of you people out there have puppies, have had puppies, but I got one right now, and I got to tell you, every time I go to my pantry, every time I open up a package, <laughs> every time there is the scent of food that just pops up, guess who's at my table with me? Oh, yeah. My puppy, Josie. Your puppy, yep. She's there with her eyeballs just glued to me. Right. She's She doesn't, if, if I ignore her long enough, she'll whine a little bit, but... <laughs> She doesn't really have to. She she gives me that look, and it's like, oh, all right. And I'm the I'm the worst. That even when it, I shouldn't be giving her things, I'm giving it to her. Sure. And because she is so cute, I can't stand it. That's what she's appealing <laughs> to to Jesus, and I think he thinks that she's uh, very adorable because of the right. statement. And I don't mean that you know to mean that Jesus is being a creep or anything. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I think that he loves this. He looks response. at her like a daughter. He's yes, he sees this lovingly. He and right. um, and of course, in Mark's statement, it says he just says because of the statement, I've done what you want, and the demon's gone. Yeah. In Matthew, he responds a little more passionately. He says, "Your woman, your faith is so great, hmm. like." I, and I can just see him cutting his eyes over at the disciples as he's saying that, smiling ear to ear. In fact, right. I, he's probably embracing her as he's right. saying it. Like we're seeing here Jesus break a wall mm. between Jews and Gentiles, especially this woman who would have been a very hated uh, Gentile in their culture. Sure. And he blesses her with a miracle. And, uh, and, of course, we're going to move on because we could spend a whole sermon on just that little piece. But oh, we've, got a, we've got a fish to fry. We're making a sandwich <laughs> here. Uh, there's there's going to be some good things happening um, in, in all this. We got, um, to get, we got to get to where Jesus uh, spits on spits the ground on man, again or something or, or, spits. or spits in a man's face he just so spits i don't know what it where he spits <laughs> actually but uh, so stick with us this is all gonna this is all gonna make sense it's all gonna okay. connect um so i want us to remember one thing about this healing too um yes. and that is how personal did jesus have to get with this woman's daughter to make the demon go away not personal at all. It was a he didn't uh, even see her. Yeah, didn't even show up at her healing. door. That's right. Across the street or wherever, he's like, "Be gone!" So first off, all these horror movies that make Jesus on and <laughs> these demons like on evil playing ground, and it's Go a battle of the ages between yeah. the two. That is false. Jesus yeah. has is Lord over these 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 demonic. Uh, 
uh, into these, he completely commands them. Yeah. Like with at a, an at a word, fist. the demon. Flees. There's no fight. There's no, no. fight. He That's doesn't right. have to exercise this woman. He doesn't have to. Right. Or he doesn't have to do anything to her except for speak it away, and it's Amen. gone. That's true. from across the street. So let so let's keep that in mind as we go on. So uh, let's look at verse uh, thirty-one by itself. Okay. Again, he went out of the region of Tyre <laughs> and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of the De- uh, of Decapolis. So what a confusing statement. I've actually read that some people think that Mark didn't know his geography. Like, <laughs> what does he mean? What does he mean Jesus went through Sidon to get to, to the get Decapolis? Decapolis. Like, yeah. it doesn't even make sense because, okay, pull out your map again. S- <laughs> and let's look here. You've got Tyre, where, where this miracle happened, is on the uh, the shores of um, the Mediterranean Sea. Oh, yeah, Sidon, right. Sidon is north along the Mediterranean Sea, even higher. Like, Galilee is south, Sidon is north. He's going north. in the opposite direction than Galilee. Right. And then it says he heads to to Galilee into the region of the Decapolis, which is not just at the Sea of Galilee, it's on the southeastern side <laughs> of the right. Sea of Galilee. So if you map out this little journey, a little, it's a big journey. If you if you map it out, it's completely uh circular. Like yeah. he he, he takes off from Tyre. He heads north, and then he pulls off to the east, and he travels across by Mount Hermon, where they currently snow ski. Like he's in <laughs> Syria. Like he's in. Like he's left Lebanon. He's in Syria. He goes around the Banyas, which is the mouth of the of the Jordan River. Jordan, he goes yeah. ar- around that. And heads south all the way down the Jordan River to Galilee. It doesn't stop at the North Shore, he, or the, the northern part of it. He travels on down to the southern shores, uh, of the Galilee. south wet, eastern shores yeah. of Galilee, which is the Decapolis. Right. Now, the Decapolis is Hellenized region. So when the Greeks settled in this area, they settled in these ten cities and Hellenized them, mm-hmm. moved in. Occupied, <coughs> excuse me, occupied the space. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is largely, this is a Gentile area. Right. So this entire trip is huge and he never goes back into Jewish territory. He spends he the entire, it. he spends the entire trip in Gentile territory. Right. And even when he finally gets back to the Sea of Galilee, he's in Gentile territory. I think there's something cool happening. And I think it all ties back to this little statement that we get so spun up about that Jesus made to the Syrophoenician woman about puppies and crumbs. So, right. um, so let's see what happens whenever he gets uh, over here into this area. Let's look at um, okay um, verse thirty-two. Okay, they brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty. And they implored him to lay his hand on him. 
So um, just real quick, obviously it's another healing. Someone finds out that Jesus is a healer. They bring this this uh, deaf guy, deaf and mute. Uh, they they bring him to Jesus. Now what's about to happen is unique in all of Scripture. He's about to heal a deaf man. You will not find another deaf healing in the entire Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. It may have happened. It's not recorded. It's the only recorded healing of a deaf man in the Bible. In scripture. Which to me gives it significance. There's there's something significant here. In fact, I think it doubles up on the significance because we're going to get to a preserved Aramaic word. And I think every time the Holy Spirit chose to do that, it's for the same reason. There's something impactful about this story that um, is about to happen. So uh, let's look at verse 33. Hmm. Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself and put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. Let me keep going. No, let's let's look at that for a minute. So he, uh, first off, he takes him from the crowd. (laughs) You know, last time on the Theonauts, we talked about signs. Well, signs are meant to be a public display of Jesus' Messiah. Uh, ship or his lordship. Here we have, this is definitely not a sign. He pulls the man aside privately mm-hmm. so that this miracle will, will be between the two of them. And one, I think that's compassionate. Uh, for, for example, I don't know how long this guy was deaf, but let's assume he was deaf from birth. Imagine the first thing you hear is a crowd cheering around you. Right. Like, <laughs> I think that, that there's, A, there's compassion in this. Two, it's loving. It's intimate. Uh, three, I don't think Jesus is interested in uh, evangelizing this area right now because he's already in over his head as far as uh, crowds and, and things go. So um, hmm. so he pulls him aside. Um so the the ears and the spit. Okay, so takes <laughs> his fingers in the guy's ears. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And then it says basically a spit was placed on his tongue. We don't know exactly how that happens. Like you got your fingers in a guy's ears and you put spit on his tongue. I don't it's know. Like, it's like open up. Spits open up, buddy. It. Yo, he's got his fingers in the guy's ears. Like it's like oh. open. Open wide. <laughs> oh, I have like, never saw that before. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, initially when you said Jesus spits in a guy's face, that's that might have, been, that might have happened. Like I, I, He touched his tongue with the saliva. How can he do that when he has his fingers in, in his ears? <laughs> and it could have been fingers first, spit second. Like, spit I don't second. Know. But, but even then, that's kind of even more gross because he's just had his <laughs> finger in his ear, and now he's going to collect the saliva. What is he going to do? Like, he's spitting his hand, collect the saliva, and stick it. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the grossest. You think that, like, making the mud and putting it on the guy's eyes was gross? This, like, doubles that. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, so crazy. remember it, also they were why? in a little bit of, 
they were in a little bit different culture. So, okay. So one of the things that I, that I want to mention about this it's is that what did we, what did we just acknowledge about him healing the woman's daughter? Yeah. That it was, uh, it, it was, it was done from a distance. Like he didn't even see her. He didn't have to be there. I don't, I don't even think he had to, he, he didn't have to touch this man. He, he didn't, didn't even have, have to at all. He didn't have he to even bring him aside. To. He yeah, could have just spoken point? it and, and said, boop, and it would have happened. But right. so there's something personal. There's something intimate happening here. Um, yeah, the, I'd say the the reason the spit the reason the spit is 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 here. I believe is it was okay. cultural for uh, people to believe the it was a Jewish folklore that the spit of a firstborn <clears throat> firstborn son had healing properties. So uh, I mean, I guess you know you got two kids out there running around and one of them scrapes his knee and mom's like, hey, you know, Billy, come over here and spit on your brother. Spit on that. Are you a firstborn son? You are, aren't you? I am, yes. I've never spit on my brother. You never spit on your brother? I don't think, well, I'll I'll take that back. I've probably held him down and, and, you know, dribbled a loogie into his face a time or two. That poor man, that poor man. (laughs) He's a 50-year-old man now, so. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway uh, uh so there is something happening here that is uh that jesus is trying to make a point somehow with the touching with touching him and uh and in actually physically touching him both with his hands and with his saliva like there is something very important about this healing. I think that's yeah. kind of the, the bottom line. Whatever the the individual significances of those things are, whatever it is, it's important. And I think that's right. that's what we need to try and get out of it. So let's look at verse uh, 34. Are, okay. we on, are we on 30? No, yeah, 34. Okay. And looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephathah. <laughs> <laughs> F Ephatha. That there is be open. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's been man. a long day. <laughs> so, okay, so looking up to heaven. Okay. So uh, I'm just breaking this down into little pieces because there's so many little things here, even though Mark says them really quickly. He's sure. not looking at he doesn't look at the guy to say be, uh, he, so just like he told the woman, go home, your daughter's been healed. Like, he spoke directly to her. It's like, you know, I'm speaking it. He could have looked right at the guy and said, may your ears be opened. But he doesn't say that. Uh, Instead, he looks to heaven, doesn't look at the guy. He looks to heaven and sighs. Now, we don't know what kind of sigh this might have been. It might have been exasperation. Why do I have to keep healing you people? Like, I, I don't get that indication from him. He seems very uh, into the moment. I don't think he's exasperated that he has to do this again. Like, I don't think right. that's why he's sighing. Um, there is an instance uh, after his resurrection where he's in, the, cl- in the, the, the upper room with the doors closed and he gets the disciples together and it says, and then Jesus breathed on them. Yeah. And told them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the the word spirit in the Greek is pneuma. 
Pneuma. Which is also yeah. means breath. Right. So there's a very close correlation between breath, especially the breath of God, and the Holy Spirit. And so I think this is a groaning of the Spirit. I think this is, I think this is a, uh, uh, a prayer of sorts. I don't mm-hmm. think he's telling the guy. I mean, it's a double meeting. Yes, he's telling the guy, your ears be opened. Okay, that's pretty obvious. He's, he's got his fingers in the guy's ears. He's trying right. to heal the guy's ears. He's saying, be unstopped, be opened. Um, but, again, why preserve Ephratah as the statement? Like, why does Mark choose to keep the Aramaic when he's writing in Greek, he could have just said, and then Jesus said, be opened. Be opened but, yeah. but he doesn't. He says, he he tells us what Jesus' actual words were. Actual and I think words sometimes whenever he does that, it's because those words are important in the original language because maybe they had a play on words happening that was very important and didn't want to lose it. Maybe there was a double meaning. Maybe there was a homophone. You know, where you say one word and it means something else. It can mean, have two meanings. You know, I mean, there's there's lots of things, reasons why he could have done this. Um, mm. And why does it just mean be opened, like as a generic, like be opened. And um, so if I'm starting to put all this together and looking at, okay, so um, he's sighing, which is uh, to me a spirit thing. He's looking up into heaven. This is almost an emotional sigh or, or some sort something passionate that he's trying to say. Um, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily direct it to the man or in his in his his uh, direction. Uh, so what about this word ephrata? The the it's very close to the Hebrew. Uh, so if we look at the the peshitta is the uh, is the Aramaic translation of the Old and New Testament. There's different uh, Peshitas. But if we look to the Old Testament uh, Peshitta and we uh, see this word and find out where else it's used in the Old Testament, it's very interesting. It's used in a couple of different places. It's used in several places, but but uh, a couple of very interesting places. One of which is Isaiah 35, verse 5. Which, by the way, happens to be a prophecy about the Messiah. And Isaiah says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. So, he predicts, Isaiah predicts deaf people being healed. Healed, yeah. as we st- stated before, there's no other reference in the Bible of a deaf man being healed other than this, which tells me Isaiah is pointing to this exact point. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. There's no denying that. It, it makes total sense because of because of the fact that there is no other reference. Mm-hmm. That's pretty incredible. So the the word unstopped is Ephratah, or it's the mm-hmm. Hebrew equivalent of Ephratah. So... Um, but here's where it gets interesting. Ephratah can also mean not only just be opened or unstopped, but it can also mean to break free of something, to be unchained, to be unchained, loosened. Yeah. Um, so another place this word is used is in Isaiah 61, verse 1. So Isaiah says here, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The word opened of the prison, opening of the prison, Ephrata. Wow. The opening of the prison. So, um, this is the very same prophecy that mm-hmm. Jesus, a uh, <laughs> chapter before, two chapters before. Luke, actually. Oh, that's right. Yes. It's in Luke where Jesus, no, it's in, uh, well, yeah, it's in Luke, but the, the correlation when he's in, 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 uh, Nazareth in the yes. synagogue, Yes. reading the scroll, right? Mm-hmm. And he yep. proclaims this this prophecy has been fulfilled in me today. Yes. Um, yeah, and they rejected so, him. Self-proclaimed fulfillment of this prophecy. Like, right. word for word, quotes this passage as, and by the way, that's the kickoff of his, mi- of his, of his missionary work. It right. is right there in the in inauguration. The in that synagogue, on that day, he read Isaiah 61 uh, and then said, today, this prophecy is fulfilled in your ears. Like, it's happening right now. Right. Um, so I want to visit that for a minute because I think it's, it's awesome in this story. So, sure. what, so what happens is the people in the synagogue, what, what do you mean this is fulfilled? What do you mean? You're just Joseph's son, carpenter's son. We know who you right. are. Why, why would you, you know, why, why is this making any sense? And Jesus gets perturbed at him and says, a prophet's usually not recognized in his own country. And then he's like, take Elijah. And then he starts mentioning a couple of stories in the Old Testament. (laughs) The first of which is, oh, is, is, uh, Elijah Helping the Syrophoenician lady. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. He was like, there were many widows in Israel at the time, but Elijah went to her. (laughs) And then he said, and then he said, what about Naaman? There were lots of lepers in Israel, but, but Elijah went to, went to Naaman. So Jesus points out two healings of Gentile people and throws it in their face and basically says there was plenty of this he could have done in Israel, but he did it to Gentiles instead. They got so mad at him, they grabbed him up and were going to toss him off the hill, toss him into the ditch and kill him. And he disappeared out of their midst. Yep. (laughs) Okay, so there's something interesting. There's a tie that's happening. Where is he? He's in Gentile territory. What is he doing? He's using the same words of Isaiah. He's saying, let the prison doors be open. He's looking up into heaven and asking his father, be opened. Right. Through a Holy Spirit beside. This breath coming out of him saying, be opened. Yes, be opened. the man is physically healed of his deafness and his, and his uh, mute. But on top of it, it's an underlying prophecy of the salvation of the Gentiles and the yeah. ushering in of the Gentiles into Jesus' ministry and Jesus' oh. uh, fold. Powerful. So, um, let's see. 
Let's look at verse uh, 35 and, and 36. Okay, so, And his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. And he gave them orders not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. <laughs> so Sounds familiar. He, yeah, I mean, it's a typical thing. Um, I mean, someone changes your life that, that drastically, you're going to talk about it, right? <laughs> and, Especially if you can actually talk. And I don't, think, time, you know? I don't think Jesus is really holding this against them as much as he's... He's trying to keep things under wrap because, just because he's he's inundated. It's not his time to be anointed king. He knows this is what people are going to try and do. Um, right. Also, he has a, he has a mission to accomplish. It's not his time. Um, right. But um, I I I love the fact that there is a physical healing that happened. I don't want to mm-hmm. I don't want to skirt that issue because that's powerful. Like that's a that's a huge, it's a huge thing, and this man's life was changed forever, yes. and I and and I am I'm guessing his soul was changed forever. Yes, <laughs> in this healing, and mm. so therefore it's a powerful thing. But I think that there's a bigger picture happening that has to do with all the Gentiles. Yeah, um, this is this is one big picture of what's gonna what's gonna occur uh, with his kingdom, which is a big deal. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's look at the last verse of uh, verse of chapter seven. Um, okay, they were utterly astonished, saying, "He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak." Gentiles, the gen, the, all these Gentiles are around him, and they're like, "He does all things good." Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an echo of even the apostle Paul. That's a shadow mm-hmm. of things that Paul is going to say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> he makes all things new. He 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 does all things well. What was the the Fanny Crosby um, him um, all the way? My Savior leads me. Is that I, I, I love that. Yeah. you know where where he's she she's like Jesus doeth all things well. Jesus doeth um, all things well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just think that's that's pretty amazing. So uh, to put a, a, an end cap on our little sandwich study here with Ephratah being the meat of it. Syrophoenician on one end. Let's look at um, chapter eight and let's go ahead and just read the first 10 verses of that chapter. Here it goes. In those days, there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from a great distance. And his disciples answered him, Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? And he was asking them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground And taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them and started giving them to his disciples to serve to them, and they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish, and after he had blessed them, he ordered these to be served as well. And they ate and were satisfied, and they picked up seven large basketfuls of what was left over of the broken pieces. 
About 4,000 people were there, and he sent them away. And immediately he entered a boat with his disciples and came to the district of Dalmuthia. Okay, so um, this is probably, I've heard this referred to as the most neglected miracle in the New Testament. Mainly because, well, go ahead. It's happened before. And not only that, he he fed five thousand. In fact, I've heard some people say, "Well, this is is the same miracle, just you know," and which which cracks me up because it's recorded. If that's the case, then Mark's really jacked up because Mark records it twice: yes. once five thousand, once four thousand. So I mean, you can't say and, that. And and when push comes to shove, finish reading chapter eight. Near the end of it, Jesus makes references to both miracles. Right. He reminds them. He was like, "Didn't we feed the five thousand? How many leftovers did we have? We fed the four thousand. How many leftovers did we have?" So, so he, so it's definitely two different miracles. Um, Yeah, they're just similar in nature. I know some people have complained too. Oh, why would the disciples act so stupid? (laughs) Like they've seen this happen before, and they're like, "They are stupid." (laughs) (laughs) Well, again. Finish reading chapter eight. Jesus calls them out on it. Like That's he's right. like, "Are you so blind?" <laughs> like, okay, it's just how they are. And I don't know Dude. if there's a divine, you know, uh, curtain over their eyes sometimes because Jesus has things to teach, not only them right. but us. Um, but I, I don't know. But it's just. I mean, this. I would say that's true because this is a great example of how many times we doubt God after we've seen Mm. him work in our lives. And that's the big point of that last story in this chapter, too. Right. Is, you know, they're all like, oh, we forgot to bring bread. And Jesus is like, guys, (laughs) seriously, is this where we are? After after all this, this is where we are. But, yeah. So, um, anyway, the... um, what I want to look at here is what separates this from the feeding of the 5,000? What what are the differences besides the numbers? I mean, there's 5,000 in one place, 4,000 in another. But what is the major difference between these two miracles? Two different people groups. <laughs> yes. These are Gentiles. <laughs> That's right. The first time, it was Jews. It was the Jews, children yep. getting... Fed, fed first, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> We're back to the Syrophoenician statement. It's right. not right it, to, it, to to it, to. I was sent to feed the children first. What did he do? He fed them. He fed the five thousand with bread, and now he feeds the puppies. Yes, yeah, right. It's so beautiful. Yeah, yes, he's feeding the puppies. Oh my gosh, this is so good. (laughs) The spiritual aspect of this is so monumental, right? Mm. I mean, the the feeding, both feedings are spiritual pictures of of Christ's spiritual nourishment, feeding us uh, with his body and blood, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. giving us food that, that never goes. And it's also a picture of, I mean... Moses is in the wilderness with the Israelites. Really, anytime there's eating involved, there's a spiritual picture, uh, or there's a picture of spiritual nourishment. Yes. And so it's huge because Jesus oh, is so now good. offering this 
the Gentiles. <laughs> yes. So what were, what were you saying earlier about uh, Jesus being a racist because of that statement? <laughs> yeah, come on. Keep reading. Like, right. like he, he sticks his fingers in one of these puppies' ears and spits on his tongue. <laughs> like, there's, there, he's not a racist. Like, yeah. he loves these people, and, and he's feeding them. He, what, look, even look what he says in verse 2. I have compassion mm. on this crowd because they've been with mm. me three days. Just mm. think about that. Mm. Three days. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a gospel meeting. Right. <laughs> like, like he's been, these, this crowd is so interested in Jesus and what he has to say that they're sitting at his feet for three days. And, and because of that, he is loving on them. And he's like, look, we got to feed these people. Now, here's another thing I find cool. Numbers are always important. Like every time you see a number in scripture, there's something uh, cool going on there. Now, if we go back to the feeding of the 5,000, whenever there was leftovers, how much was left over? 12. Six? No, 12. That's right. 12. It was 12. And some people, and some, people <laughs> some people guess... <laughs> Well, that's a bushel per apostle. Well, really? You think the apostles are going to sit there and gorge themselves on a whole bushel of <laughs> bread? No. It's a symbol so, of the 12 tribes. <laughs> yes, it's a symbol of... Uh, <laughs> I think it's a symbol of the governmental authority of Israel, of the, of God. Like, that's what 12 Absolutely. is. 12, 12 is the governmental number. Governmental authority. Yep. And so, and so here he is patriarchy. fulfilling his governmental uh, job in bringing food to the children. Right? Mm. So there's a, a, a reason why it's, you know, there's 12 disciples that are handing it out. There's 12 bushels left over. But in this case, we don't get 12. We get seven. seven. Now, what is seven? In Number of completion. Yes, this is a completion of the of the meal of the of the feeding of uh, his people, mm. both Jewish and now Gentiles. Gentile. It's complete now. It's complete <laughs> because the puppies have gotten their food. That's Finally, right. they got their fill. <laughs> so that is beautiful, man. So, yeah, and in the, the end here, he gets in his boat and he heads back to, it says Dalmanutha, no, Dalmanutha, Dalmanutha. Dalmanutha. Nobody knows what that is. There's not really a place that that correlates to, except for some people suggest that it was Magdala, like it's a different rendering of Magdala, which is, once again, back in the Gentile, I mean, the Jewish territory on the northwestern right. bank of the Jewish place, so he goes back up there. He doesn't stay long, mm -hmm. to be continued. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, great. I love this study. It is without this study, this is Ephatha. Be open to us. Like I'm a Gentile. I got no Jewish blood in me that I know of. I haven't yeah. done anything. But I, you're but a dog. I am a puppy. <laughs> and I'm just like a beggar at the foot of Jesus at this table, right? I just yeah. I just want whatever crumbs he can he can give me. And how so, amazing is it that oh, Jesus? Yeah, he didn't come for the Jewish people alone. He came to bring peace to all nations. 
mm-hmm. and it's it's stated mm-hmm. over and over in the Old Testament. And this is this is a picture of that fulfillment. It's a big deal. Also, I think that the whole rejection in Nazareth is a picture, and and that happening right before this mm-hmm. is really a picture of how the gospel became uh, fulfilled and then um, and and transmitted, right? Well, mm-hmm. what happened? It, it it started with the Jewish people, but they mostly rejected. And where did it go? It went into the Gentile territories with Paul. Yes. And was fulfilled, right? The, the church was greatly established through Gentile um, Christians and, and, uh, and Jewish Christians, but to a smaller extent, Jewish Christians. And Paul even mm-hmm. makes reference to that, that they rejected Jesus. Yeah, he went to the synagogue first, everywhere he went. That's right. But ended up in the streets with the with the Greeks. But with you know, the dogs. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> even Peter's vision. Peter had the yeah. vision of of what did he see? Heaven Rise, opened. Peter killed me. Yep. Heaven opened, and this mm. this blanket full of unclean animals came down. What mm. was Jesus saying here? Ephrathah, what's it mean? Be opened, and he Open. was looking up into heaven. <laughs> it just wow. all kind of it just all kind of fits. Uh, to yeah, me. it does, man. Well, that's an so, incredible study, David. Thank you so much for that. Huge. Sure. I was to... I was encouraged. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, well for time's sake, we should probably kill it, shouldn't we? Oh, uh, whatever you want. We're we're in on we're in a little over an hour. Um, that's good. Well, I didn't. I also didn't pull up my articles for this week, and I had some oh, really okay. good ones. I had some Pope news. Like, did you hear about the Pope, the dude that went in and he wanted to talk to the Pope in the Vatican, and no. uh, and they wouldn't let him, and so he just started smashing priceless art, like <laughs> like statues and stuff. They arrested him. Some wow. crazy guy. Yeah, it's nuts. Anyways. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, come together. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. the Pope is here. (laughs) So that happened. Anyways, and I had a really good one on Enneagrams too, but I'm going to save that one for next week. Enneagrams, what Bible character are you based off of your Enneagram? Oh, cool. That was the. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. (laughs) That was the article. Which one do you think you'd be? Uh, based on the Enneagram? Oh, mm-hmm. man. Hmm. There's got to be several sevens out there. <laughs> <laughs> I like to identify with King David, but I don't know if he's a seven. Maybe dancing around, seven. In, dancing around in your underwear, is a, that's kind of a seven type of thing. The, yeah, but he was more... <laughs> I can't remember probably, which one it was. He's probably a four. He is very yeah. creative, poetic. Uh, they they said that number seven would be King Solomon, which uh, makes some maybe. sense and not well, a lot. Well, he does. He he is all the things. That's a seven thing, you know. It's like let's yeah. do all the things, and right. All you got to do is is read through Ecclesiastes <laughs> and know he did all the things. <laughs> And Song of Solomon. But that's for oh, another yeah. day. Oh, yes. <laughs> I guess I do relate to King Solomon. Oh, come on now. Oh, oh. 
Maybe we ought to end it on that note. That's that's terrible. Uh, anyways. Okay. Well, thank you, Lord, for letting us in your kingdom. That's all I got to say. David, David would be lost without it. That's for sure. Hey, are you kidding me? The Song of Songs is like the most amazing thing. Like, oh, it's beautiful. Maybe we ought to do a Theonauts on the Song of Songs. Oh, I'm down. I'm totally down. after hour. <laughs> Hey there, all you cool cats and kittens out there. <laughs> Settle in for an episode of Song of Songs. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're getting way too out of hand. All right, let's roll those in credits. How about it? Okay. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. Check out our pop culture podcast, which we maybe do sometime. Theopop. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher, and be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to info at theonotspodcast.com or call us on our voicemail line, which is 972-885-7270. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. And if you like us, and want more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash theonauts. Your patronage helps in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. And maybe you get a little extra out of the deal. That's right, a little extra. Don't forget to tune in again (laughs) and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. (laughs) Maybe we should make Maybe we should make a, a Song of Songs an extra Patreon episode. How about that? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Jerry. Thanks, David. Talk to you later. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission. At GCTNetwork.com.